Hello everyone. Welcome to the Starting with Scripture podcast. The title of this podcast is Lessons from Goliath. No doubt many of you find this title strange. Uh, To be certain, Goliath wasn't a Bible teacher or a prophet of God, and he didn't really uh, teach any lessons whatsoever. But the lessons that we get from Goliath come not from anything that he taught, because he didn't teach anything, as I said earlier, but rather from studying what the Bible says about his size, particularly his height. There are a lot of interpretive lessons that we can learn by carefully studying what Scripture actually says about Goliath's height. A lot of you have probably heard about Goliath or read about Goliath, He's often referred to as the, the giant that David faced and, of course, uh, the giant that he killed. And his height is usually given at around 9 foot 6 or 9 foot 9. And many people actually think that the Bible says that Goliath was 9 foot 6 or 9 foot 9. But the biblical text doesn't actually say that. Most Bibles give his height as uh, six cubits and a span, with a height of nine foot nine or nine foot six found in the footnotes. This height of six cubits and a span comes to us from a manuscript tradition known as the Masoretic Text. The Masoretic Text, or MT as it is sometimes known, is a Hebrew version of the Old Testament that was faithfully copied for centuries by a group of scribes known as the Masoretes. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, the Masoretic text indicates that Goliath was six cubits and a span. Now, a cubit is the length from a man's elbow to the tip of his middle finger. And a span is the width of a man's spread open hand from thumb tip to little fingertip. A span was generally regarded as half a cubit. Modern Bible translators typically use 18 inches for the length of a cubit and 9 inches for the length of a span. A little multiplication and addition gets us to the height of 9 foot 9. It all seems simple and straightforward, right? The real truth is that determining Goliath's actual height is anything but simple and straightforward. I want to spend some time talking about cubits. It's important to know and understand that there was not actually a universally accepted size for cubits in the ancient Near East. It's not like today where we have... uh, feet and inches or meters and centimeters. It wasn't like that. Some countries had their own standard units and some just didn't. The Canaanite cubit was 17.5 inches and incidentally this is the cubit size that is used by some modern Bible translators to put Goliath's height at 9 foot 6. 
with the Canaanite cubit and doing the mathematics, we get 9 foot 6. And with the modern cubit of 18 inches, we get 9 feet 9 inches. Other countries had them too, like the Babylonians had the royal cubit that was 19.8 inches, whereas the Egyptians had a royal cubit of 20.65 inches. Now, both of those cubit sizes are over the modern cubit size of 18 inches and would have yielded some pretty tall men. Uh, it's important to, to notice that and realize that a lot of times heights of kings and pharaohs were exaggerated. For example, the Egyptian royal cubit of 20.65 inches would have made for a pharaoh that was 6 foot 5 inches. There's no surviving record whatsoever that indicates that any pharaoh that ever lived was 6 foot 5 inches. Although other countries from the ancient Near East had standard cubits or standard royal cubits sometimes, the Israelites didn't. There's no record of there ever having been a standard royal cubit or a standard cubit of any kind for Israel. And this actually brings us to our first interpretive lesson. Although many modern translators use 18 inches for the size of the cubit, there's absolutely no historical justification whatsoever for using 18 inches as the cubit length. This is simply modern man imposing his modern understanding of the cubit on a text that was set in ancient Israel. When interpreting scripture, people oftentimes do the same sort of thing. They'll impose their modern 21st century understanding of words and phrases on an ancient Near Eastern text that is the Bible. And many times that leads to interpretive error and false doctrine. The right way to interpret scripture includes learning what the words meant to the ancients that spoke them or wrote them or heard them and not imposing our 21st century understanding on a biblical text, just like we should not impose the modern cubit of 18 inches for the average size modern man on the cubit size. So if the cubit size wasn't actually 18 inches, and there's, there's no reason to believe that it was, there's, there's no evidence for it at all, what was it? How long was that cubit? As I mentioned earlier, there was never an official or royal cubit length in ancient Israel. It's worth noting also, uh, just like there was no evidence for the 18-inch royal cubit being used, uh, there was also no evidence for the 17.5-inch standard Canaanite cubit. There's no evidence that the Canaanite cubit was ever adopted by the Israelites. So without an official royal cubit, 
This would have left Israelite men to measure with their own cubits and spans. Now, what would this have meant for ancient Israel? Well, we know from history and archaeology that the average Israelite man from that time was uh, maybe as tall as five foot three, but possibly as short as five feet even. So if we take the height of five foot three, that gives us a 16 inch cubit approximately, and that reduces Goliath's height from nine foot six or nine foot nine down to eight foot eight. Now, a cubit size somewhat less than 16 inches would have made Goliath's height around 8 foot 5, and then utilizing a cubit size from a 5 foot tall man would have given us a height of less than 8 foot 5. It is also worth mentioning that in their measuring system, that though they considered a span to be half a cubit, it actually wasn't and actually isn't. You can test it out yourself. Two spans, though considered to be equal to one cubit for purposes of their measuring system, actually fall short of one cubit by two or three inches, which reduces the actual converted height in feet and inches by another inch and a half. So what does all this mean so far? Well, we've gotten closer to establishing Goliath's actual height, but there are still more questions to answer, and there's more evidence to consider, and there are more interpretive lessons to learn. Another problem related to Goliath's height centers around apparent discrepancies in ancient biblical texts. One ancient text has it at six cubits in a span, as I mentioned earlier, and that is the Masoretic text. But other ancient versions of the text list Goliath's height at four cubits in a span. There is definitely a discrepancy between the different manuscripts. In theological terms, we call it a textual variant. The Septuagint version of 1 Samuel 17.4 gives us a height of four cubits and a span for Goliath. That's one example of a, of a, of a different height being given, seemingly. The Dead Sea Scrolls and the first century Jewish historian Flavius Josephus agree with the Septuagint's listed height for Goliath at four cubits in a span. Well, what should we do with that textual variant? Now, this brings us to another interpretive lesson that I want to teach. When it comes to the Bible, and everything else for that matter, we need to be intellectually honest. If there's a textual variant or discrepancy, we need to acknowledge it. When such discrepancies occur, there are usually a couple of extreme reactions. 
radical skeptics will say or perhaps think, Ha! I got you. See, I told you the, the Bible is flawed and wrong. I told you it was a lie. There is no God. That's one extreme. At the other end of the spectrum, people with no intellectual component to their face, uh, sometimes called fideism, reject the problem entirely, reject a source saying, oh, well, one of those manuscripts is wrong in this particular case, or they just ignore it. Now, neither one of these approaches is correct. And both the radical skeptist, skeptic and the fideist ignore evidence. They're committing the same error just from two different angles or two different perspectives. They're ignoring the evidence to reach their conclusions. Still, we have a problem to resolve, if it can be. The simple fact of the matter is that the Masoretic text, or the MT, puts Goliath's height at six cubits and a span, whereas the Septuagint, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Josephus all put his height at four cubits and a span. Utilizing the modern cubit size of 18 inches for the sake of simplicity, the four cubits and a span height gives us six foot nine rather than nine foot nine. That is quite a difference in size. It seems to be something that cannot be resolved. But I'll be back in a minute to talk about it some more. Welcome back. There is actually a way to resolve this apparent discrepancy. The Septuagint translation that I mentioned earlier is a translation from Hebrew into Greek. The Septuagint was needed because um, many Jews had become Greek-speaking after Alexander the Great had conquered the places where they lived. They'd become Greek-speaking and could, could no longer understand Hebrew, either written or spoken. And this included Jews that lived in Alexandria, uh, Alexandria, Egypt, that is. And it is from Alexandria, Egypt, that many of the Septuagint manuscripts emanate. It's noteworthy that there are other Septuagint manuscripts that come from different areas, and one of them, for example, lists... Goliath's height at five cubits in a span. The Alexandrian Septuagint translators would have been faced with the problem of translating Israelite cubits into Egyptian cubits to represent Goliath's height to the Alexandrian Jews that would have been familiar and were familiar with the Egyptian cubit of 20.35 inches. Translating from the Israelite cubit to the Alexandrian cubit would have been 
and precise. Five Alexandrian cubits might have overstated Goliath's height, whereas four Alexandrian cubits in a span might have understated Goliath's height. The Septuagintal translators centered around Alexandria, Egypt, chose four cubits and a span to represent the six cubits and a span from the Hebrew. It would be something like translating feet and inches into meters and centimeters, although uh, nowadays we can do that precisely. Back then they could not. Doing the math with four Alexandrian or Egyptian cubits and a span puts Goliath's height around seven foot eight, which is fairly close to the eight foot five height that I mentioned a moment ago. Not exactly the same, but that brings us to another interpretive lesson. The ancients did not view things as we do. They did not think as we do. For example, we measure height with precision, as I mentioned a, mo a moment ago. Um, today we can convert centimeters and meters into feet and inches. Today our measuring system is precise. Our thinking is precise. We are in a scientific age. We're past, historically speaking, the Enlightenment. The ancients did not have those advantages or dynamics in their thinking. They did not... Um, they don't even consider them. So the ancient measuring system by our standards is more of a height estimating system. And it was much less precise. You can tell by simply considering the following. They measured in cubits and spans. There was nothing more accurate or nothing smaller, let's say, than a span. So... The measurement was either in full cubits, the length of a man's forearm from elbow to middle fingertip, or spans. So it, there was nothing in between. So if somebody was actually, say, four cubits and three quarters of a span, they, they couldn't really represent it. They didn't have a way to do it. So a person from that era would have considered a a seven-foot-eight man and an eight-foot-five man to essentially be the same height. They weren't hung up on precision and exact measurements like we are today. As a matter of fact, I go so far to say that we're obsessed with them in terms of getting details correct today. It wasn't part of their thinking at all, and that can be learned from the literature of the day. I'm reminded of a debate that I heard between two sportscasters in my youth, and this was in the latter 20th century. They were arguing about whether a player was six foot eight 
or six foot nine. One said, well, he looks six foot eight to me. Well, no, he looks six foot nine to me. That sort of hair splitting um, would not have occurred in the ancient world. They simply did not think that way. And when it comes to interpreting scripture, it is a big interpretive mistake to assume that the ancients thought as we think. We cannot impose the way we think upon them. We have to do our best to learn how they thought, which takes more work. When we're doing Bible study, it's often necessary to look at other textual evidence. And that's uh, an interpretive lesson in and of itself. I want to mention other biblical or textual evidence about Goliath's size. 1 Samuel 17.7 tells us that the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. From archaeology and history, we know that a weaver's beam was 6 feet to 8 feet long and 1.5 inches to 2.5 inches thick. Since we don't know the exact size of, of, a, of the staff as compared to the weaver's beam, because we don't know what size weaver's beam was in mind, indeed they varied, it doesn't really tell us anything about Goliath's size other than he was on the large side, but not how big. So there's not enough there to say, well, he was this, this height or that height. Verse 7 of chapter 11 also tells us that the spearhead weighed 15 pounds. Now this particular detail tells us about his strength, but not necessarily his size. Goliath would have been very strong and possibly large to wield such a heavy spearhead or to wield a spear with such a heavy head on it. Looking further, we see in 1 Samuel 17.5 that we are given the weight of his armor. The weight listed would translate to about 150 pounds. And the description of his armor and weapons is that of a Greek hoplite warrior. And the hoplite warriors were uh, fit and well-trained, um, strong and muscular, and highly skilled. But the weight given for his armor is three times the weight of a normal hoplite warrior. And that would have put Goliath at about 400 pounds. So he would have weighed as much as uh, three times as uh, his normal-sized companions-at-arms. Comparing the size of some modern men to Goliath's size will help us further establish Goliath's height. So let's, for example, take Lou Ferrigno. Now, Lou Ferrigno is a former competitive bodybuilder, um, and he made, uh, in the 1980s, he made some 
made-for-TV movies playing The Incredible Hulk. Now, when he made those made-for-TV movies, he was 320 pounds at 6 foot 5. Now, his weight is fairly close to the 400 pounds for Goliath, but it's still considerably less. 80 pounds is a big difference. We must also consider that Lou Ferrigno was a muscle-bound bodybuilder that would have been too bulky, too unwieldy to be a hoplite warrior. Comparing another man who weighed about the same as Lou Ferrigno, we have Shaquille O'Neal. Now Shaquille O'Neal is seven foot one, and when he played basketball in the NBA, he was 325 pounds. And if you've ever seen him or seen pictures of him back then or video of him back then, he was well muscled, but he wasn't bodybuilder muscled like Lou Ferrigno. So he was strong, he was fit from running up and down the court, and his build would have been much more like the hoplite warriors of old than Lou Ferrigno's. So at seven foot one, he was 325 pounds, approximating the build of a hoplite warrior, but he was still too light. So he was 75 pounds under Goliath's estimated weight of, of uh, 400 pounds. So Shaquille O'Neal at 7 foot 1 and 325 pounds was built appropriately, more or less, but he was still too short and too light to be um, about the same size as Goliath. So let's take a look at some modern men that were actually heavier than Goliath's estimated weight. There was a professional wrestler known as Andre the Giant, and he was at his tallest. He was uh, seven foot four, seven foot five, and his heaviest weighed about 520 pounds. Now, he later shrank with some spinal problems and such, but we'll go with his height at being 7 foot 4 and his weight being 520 pounds. And when he was younger, he was um, not as heavy, but he still was not fit. But even so, um, now he was taller than Shaquille O'Neal and just overweight to simulate Goliath's exact size. So closer to Goliath, probably in terms of height, but just not built like a fit hoplite warrior. He just wasn't athletic enough to be out on the battlefield uh, wielding heavy spears and um, engaging the enemy in hand-to-hand -hand combat. There's another man in the 20th century who came fairly close to Goliath's traditional height of nine foot six or nine foot nine. His name was Robert Wadlow. Robert Wadlow was eight foot 11 and 439 pounds when he died at the age of 22. And interestingly enough, he was still growing. So he, um, he easily would have gone over nine feet tall had he 
had not lived such a short life. So his size gives us some more insight into Goliath's height and size. Now, if you look at pictures of Robert Wadlow, who is uh, a full one and a half times the height of modern American men, he had a long and lanky build. Uh, some would say he was tall and skinny. Of course, that's relative to his height. He was not a muscular man by any means. He wasn't athletic. Now, let's think about that for a minute. He was 439 pounds, so he's about 40 pounds over Goliath's estimated weight, but yet he was 10 inches taller than the traditional height of 9 foot 9. So can you imagine somebody being 10 inches taller than the lanky Mr. Wadlow and 40 pounds lighter? That would have been problematic to be on the battlefield. That would have been somebody who would have been very thin, lacking in muscle, um, possibly for that height emaciated, although it's difficult to say. But suffice it to say, by doing the comparison, we can reasonably conclude that somebody who was 10 inches taller than Robert Wadlow, who was 8 foot 11 himself, and somebody who was 40 pounds lighter than Robert Wadlow would not have been a muscular, fit, hoplite warrior. So that in and of itself almost rules out the notion that Goliath was 9 foot 9 and 9 foot 6. From the analysis of these uh, four large men that I've just mentioned, we do have a couple of comparable men that can give us a good idea of Goliath's size. Based on the estimated weight of 400 pounds, which is extrapolated from the weight of Goliath's armor as listed in Scripture, we can put Goliath's size somewhere between the 7 foot 1 inch, 325 pound Shaquille O'Neal and the 8 foot 11 inch, 440 pound Robert Wadlow. As it happens, the average height between the athletic, muscular Shaquille O'Neal and the extremely tall, lanky Robert Wadlow is 8 feet. By now, some of you have likely thought that I am just wrong. You're thinking something like, Ron, the Bible says that Goliath was a giant. The truth of the matter is, the Bible never calls Goliath a giant. 1 Samuel 17 doesn't call Goliath a giant, but rather a champion. 2 Samuel 21 and 1 Chronicles 20 indicate that Goliath and his brothers were born to a giant, but does not refer to both his parents as giants. It simply says, born to the giant. 1 Chronicles 20 says that Goliath's brother was a man of great stature that was born to the giant. Being born to a giant does not necessarily mean that the man himself is a giant. It's very likely looking at the language 
that Goliath and his brothers had one giant parent and one normal-sized parent, based on what the text actually says. So, even though we've been taught that Goliath was a giant, and people say it all the time, you know, David slew the giant, David killed Goliath the giant, Scripture never actually says that Goliath was a giant. We even get taught these stories in Sunday school. Those of us that have grown up in church, we learn about Goliath uh, the giant and how David slew the giant. And we, we get emotionally bonded to these stories, and they feel right and they make sense. And when we hear something that contradicts it, we tend to have a reaction and reject that. But the thing is, we have to be careful not to teach our human traditions as God's word or God's doctrine, no matter how much we feel those traditions are right. Jesus warned us against doing so in Matthew 15. We are not to teach as God's doctrine the commandments of men. We're simply not to do it. So if we look at Scripture honestly, and we look at all the relevant passages, we learn that Scripture never actually tells us Goliath was a giant. It simply doesn't. I want to conclude this podcast by summarizing what I believe about Goliath's height and size. Based on all the evidence, the scriptural evidence, looking at cubit lengths and probably what they were back then, as well as comparing modern men and looking at it all together, I think that Goliath was right around eight feet tall. He wasn't nine foot six, and he wasn't nine foot nine. And to be clear, Scripture doesn't actually say he was nine and a half feet tall or nine foot nine, and it doesn't say that he was a giant. I want to be clear and state that I believe that giants actually existed in the ancient Near East. They existed during biblical times. Uh, we have biblical evidence for that, and we also have other evidence for it, like um, Egyptian scribes wrote of giants in the land of Canaan, for example. In Deuteronomy 3, we have um, Scripture talking about King Og as a giant. Now, King Og could have been 12 feet tall or more. He was certainly at least 10 feet tall. He was called a giant by Scripture. Goliath never was. I think Goliath was half giant. He was the son of the giant, and he had a normal-sized human parent as his other parent. The fact that Goliath was only half-giant does not diminish David's faith at all in fighting him. David was a youth. He wasn't a fully grown man. Um, he would have been maybe five feet tall or less going up against a guy who was eight feet tall, more or less. Maybe he was seven foot eight. Maybe he was eight foot four. And weighing about 400 pounds of well-conditioned muscle. It was a tremendous size mismatch 
And just because Scripture doesn't actually say that Goliath was a giant and because Goliath wasn't a full giant does not diminish David's faith in the least. He still depended upon God to defeat this very large man. But to me, what's more important than establishing Goliath's actual size is learning and utilizing the interpretive lessons that I've taught during this podcast episode. Those lessons that I've used to reach my conclusion are more important than arriving at the exact precise size of Goliath. Thank you very much for listening to this episode.